what I think or what I understand drawing to be and I speak from a kind of double-hatted position I'm, I work both as an art historian and curator and also make drawings as well um, and I think in some ways we're at a point where there's both a huge semantic confusion about what drawing is and a conceptual one and then whether we will ever get it sorted out of course is, I suppose, part of the um, endless pleasure of being involved in art and art history. For my part, Western art has been, until recently, essentially, though not only, dependent on the act of drawing and an observational act at that. The great tradition of observational drawing draftsmanship has underpinned the whole endeavour of Western art. The end game of modernism disrupted that to both good and bad effects, I think. 
If Cezanne formally ushered in the presence of doubt as an integral, expressive and conceptual concern of drawing, then Cubism and Surrealism finally undermined or negated even that relationship to the visible world and the, which had always been the primary object of draftsmanship. In the 20th century, this, the central question has been to find a way of drawing that enables us to not just to see, but to see how we see. And I paraphrase Robert Hughes's observation on, in that. We all have a fairly clear idea about what we consider drawing to be. On an intuitive basis, if you ask anyone from an expert, a museum director, curator, an artist, someone in the street, they will say that in an ad hoc, ad hoc, sorry, ad hoc definition, we, that it would involve the use of certain materials, pencil, chalk, charcoal, ink, and paper, and probably specify the use of line as the means, primary means of depicting an image or form. Yet deciding what is or what is not a drawing seems to be rather more messy than conventional wisdom allows. The word drawing itself is one of those wonderful words that's both a verb and a noun, and it's, a, it's an ubiquitous term which encompasses many meanings and, in, and usages. We speak of drawing as an act, an activity which stretches first from childish scribbles to the complex and sustained images of artists, engineers and architects. Draftsmanship is the term given to skilled representation of both form and idea. In a recently published, marvellously entitled book, Drawing Acts, the distinguished American art historian David Rosanne began his discussion of the phenomenology of drawing with an observation by the French scholar Paul Valéry. There is a tremendous difference between seeing a thing without a pencil in your hand and seeing it while drawing it. And I think to all artists who are here present, that, that will reverberate very strongly. Rosanne continues... Drawing is a complex action. It involves subject and object, perception and representation, eye and mind, and most obviously, yet too often neglected in components, as a component in critical discussion, the hand and the body. Roseanne stresses this is not simply a dialectical relationship between paired terms. He says perceiving eye and object intercede in the act of drawing itself as both gestural sequence as the act and as evolving configuration, the art, the object. He goes on to point out that once the first mark is laid down on a blank paper, the draftsman, as he puts it, enters into a double dialectic with the object before him or the idea imagined and the emerging graphic construction in itself. And this, to me, is, I suppose, the central thing in, at least in the making of art and one hopes when people are looking in the looking at art as the drawing develops its demands upon the draftsman begin to take precedence over those of the object or idea and the drawing asserts itself as a main object of concern, the primary other in the subject-object <coughs> relation. It's a very formal way of putting something about this dialect between the looking and making which is central to the act, particularly to the act of drawing. Of course, it's also critical to if you're making paintings or sculpture, but there is a particular quality when drawings are being made that, in fact, I suppose, go much more into this nature of perception and its immediate role in the making of an image. 
And there's also, of course, the quite critical factor of the presence of intimacy, the immediacy that drawing offers. And that, for me, is why I think digital work will never be, become truly um, what I think of as drawing, that there is not the handmade, and therefore the presence of the body in the making. And that sensual intelligence that we bring to the making of a, of a drawing is, I think, quite essential to, the, to the, um, our understanding of drawing. And in a way, I think, to our presence as human beings. I think it's that ongoing sense of our humanity that's present in drawing that is its great gift to both artist and to the viewer. That's enough. Somebody else? <laughs> well, um, I don't have a prepared statement, but I, I, I'm here to advocate the role of, or the, the, the value, in my view, of, uh, of hand drawing. And and as opposed to digital, and I do digital, all kinds of digital imaging, three-dimensional. I, I should say I'm an architect. My name is Jak Yudison. Uh, from from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. So I've come a long way to be here. And I was very intrigued by the premise of the conference that's uh, surrounding us here, uh, which is to explore the role of hand drawing in the age of digital. And uh, so, anyway, so that's... Uh, um, I, I have found through my own work as an architect... Uh, professionally, um, and as well as in working with students, that that the, those people that draw by hand uh, are better able to visualize and truly understand space uh, than those people that are strictly uh, confined to working in the, in the digital realm. And I love digital technology. It's amazing all kinds of imaging that we can do. But, you know, there's, a, there's an aspect to it that uh, is quite flat. Uh, there, when one looks at computer renderings, uh, there, it, 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 there's still the same question. Uh, it's the skill and uh, sensibility of the artist that makes a good or, or poor, uh, let's say, digital image. But on the whole, one could say, and this is sort of a blanket statement, to me, they look like these computer images. They look like one guy in a room did all twenty-five thousand of them. They all they have. There's an anonymous quality about all of them, uh, almost all of them. Very few rise to the level of having, uh, you know, wonderful, strong visual uh, qualities. Um, and so, I think there's a coldness and an anonymity about working in that digital realm that uh, that that is not true in, in drawing by hand. Um, I think that to, to, uh, to make a, a, a drawing or a mark on a piece of paper is so fundamentally human, it, along with the learning of language, the making of marks is, is integral to being a human being. And I think that, that, human, that human ad, humanity, uh, that quality uh, in uh, working on a piece of paper or some other medium uh, uh, is 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 what will keep that vital always. I, I think that we're enamored with the flash and pizzazz of digital. Look at the Hollywood films that we see; they can they can visualize things that are impossible, and we believe it happened. And you know, we, you see an audience walk out five minutes later, and they want to see the next one. So it kind of leaves you flat. And I think that's because the 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 heart and soul of an artist is is. Is uh, is abstracted in, in so much of that work, and it's not to put it down. Um, I won't go on too much longer. I, I do want to say I I, also, I do use digital technology myself a lot. I do 
you know, animations and, you know, photorealistic and all of this stuff and love to do it, but I, I think it's the primacy of the hand and the mind and the direct connection to the brain and to the artist's sensibility that makes hand drawing uh, valuable and will keep it valid always, um, even as some have uh, forgotten that. I find it ironic to say that, that we have to um, uh, champion this position. <laughs> yes, indeed. So I suppose, I, I suppose there may be some contrary view, I don't know, uh, but, but I'm interested to hear from our other panelists. Well, I think I, I was put on this panel for a bit of uh, contrast, actually. <laughs> Um, I'm, uh, just a, a bit of background, I'm a, a practicing architect but I'm also a lecturer in the Arctic program and, and um, work at the DRI which um, its mandate is to look at trans, what we call transdisciplinary research. Um, I don't so much uh, draw, I think, um, as model and I use a range of um, media to generate and realise um, architectural ideas, but primarily I use and, and am most interested in um, digital modelling and visualisation tools. So I think in architecture, from my point of view, I'm more interested in a discussion of modelling, which is using uh, three-dimensional digital software to... Um, it, and it's almost a hybridising between drawing and conventional model making, model making out of card and, and other materials. And I'm primarily interested, I guess, in sort of low-tech digital or misusing some of the, the properties of software uh, programs as um, ways of generating architectural ideas. So from yesterday's talk, I also, and, and just also chairing another session this morning, I came to realise that the computer means something very different in architecture um, than it does in art practice, I think. In architecture, drawings, of course, always um, represent something, I guess, yet to come. But there are also many different types of drawings and different uses of drawing in the discipline from um, sketch drawings, speculative and generative drawings, um, then diagrams of use or how a building might function, um, explanatory diagrams, drawings intended for construction, so you might get the 70 drawing kit of um, uh, very precise measured drawings, um, and drawings of existing conditions and so forth, ways of capturing. And um, I think at the conference at the moment I'm getting a sense that some of the conversations, particularly in, in this morning session that, that actually talk specifically about architecture, have contrasted very sophisticated and nuanced broad range of example of hand drawing techniques with, uh, particularly in architecture, a very narrow sort of glossy rendered image um, of um, the digital and, and very sort of banal and unexciting examples of that. And I guess what I'd probably like to say is that there is, a, from my point of view, a very broad and rich range of generative and speculative work uh, done using digital media and architecture. From my own personal viewpoint, I remember um, 
um, at architecture school a hundred years ago, a sort of great sense of liberation when digital media came in. And prior to that, I'd been using collage and sort of mostly building three-dimensional models. This was a time when, in architecture, the... Um, drawing was starting to be a thing in itself. So we saw at the time, and I, I remember very vividly, large charcoal works done by architects with sort of great atmospheric effects and, and um, um, shadow play and a sort of building up and a crafting of the drawing. Now this is a bit of a problem in architecture because a beautiful drawing doesn't necessarily... Um, by default mean a beautiful building. They're not causal and you can't hide a building. You can't hide it behind shadow. You can't hide it behind a beautiful, effective, evocative drawing. So what the computer did was, for me, was um, it kind of shattered that a little bit and it offered the potential to not be at a distance to space, to actually model the environment and put the observer not hovering, you know, the great modernist architect hovering above the building, the sort of hand of God, but allowed you to inhabit the building, to be inside it, to be close to the wall, to, to see the texture in great detail if you'd drawn it, um, to hover deep inside a space. So you would be in this room, um, you could hover above the room, you could move through the space and this for me took away from the sort of fetishising of the crafting of the drawing through which you could hide a lot of kind of um, things I guess so more recently the computer for me has been used in a much more exploratory way um, and it also because my work's often very layered in terms of the, the information and I'm very interested in complexity, I guess, from an architectural viewpoint. It had allowed me to build and draw a level of complexity that um, I couldn't do without it. And this is immense level of, of detail. And I feel very differently to the relationship of the body and the computer, to the, to the way I've been hearing it discussed to date, because I feel this, this ability to inhabit, to feel the texture of the wall in my mind as I kind of stand next to it in the computer space is very different and it does involve a sort of bodily relationship uh, for me. Now this might be very different to an art practice discussion of, of the flat drawing or the drawing as an end in itself. Um, and I guess more recently I've been working with sort of laser cutting techniques and, and one of the conversations in architecture at the moment at the level of... Um, documentation drawings is, is the disappearance of that drawing altogether so that you would go from the environment of the computer directly to manufacturing, directly to cutting out the, the material and the product. So, I mean, it's an interesting thing, this idea of the disappearance of, the, of a particular realm of, of architectural drawing. Um, so I guess I think the dichotomy is a little bit misleading from, from my um, point of view. I might just stop there. All right. Um, maybe I'll just speak about my experience, I guess, um, only until maybe the last two years that I've noticed 
that um, even it's a bit of a surprise to me that um, drawing is considered to be something that was amazing once but now is maybe getting lost. Um, so a bit about my background is that um, I'm a practicing artist and I live in Melbourne. I grew up in Tasmania and almost managed to get through most of my schooling without doing any structured art courses or anything like that. So I'd always drawn in my books and just doodled on everything I owned but never really considered art until um, I was finishing my IT degree. Um, I started doing a lot of graffiti and that fell into me drawing a lot more and now um, I just draw every day. Um, I sound really nervous. <laughs> um, so um, it's strange for something that I've done my whole life and something that is um, seems really personal but also something I like sharing with people and then fell into this world of exhibiting art and my drawings. Um, it's, so it's really strange to hear other people kind of questioning this drawing that for me is so you know part of your life it's weird that other people don't do that but then it's also weird to think that people oh don't lose those people we're, we're missing out because drawing isn't important anymore so that's a really it's been really interesting to have that question brought up for me lately because I it doesn't seem like that for me most of the people that I live with and um, hang out with in Melbourne are just totally addicted to drawing and I guess that's what I am as well so yeah it's really strange to think to think about what it's like to maybe not have have that on your mind that uh, you want to draw to communicate and record your own thoughts and things like that. Um, yeah, I guess I'd rather almost throw it open to a question, uh, not just to me but everyone here. Yeah, I'm happy to answer questions as opposed to. So, do you use digital drawing programs? Do you enjoy? No, I've played around with those more for the fun of like. Um, just trying different mediums and things like that as, as well as like when I speak about drawing so I first got back into drawing through using spray cans and markers on the streets so that was all drawing to me so of course when I've always had a computer around and oh, I have an IT degree so I've always had little you know homemade programs for doing pixel art and all those kind of things but I've never really thought the experience was the same it just seems like too much hard work it seems like computers are a bit more work for me as opposed to I, I like drawing because it's what I do to, um, for enjoyment, I guess. But I, I don't know, I just, it's way quicker. Like, it's very natural, so I, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to draw that way. I think computers maybe slow that down, but I guess if you're good at them, um, it's a bit different, I guess. Does there seem to be a difference in the end product for you, in whether you work with a computer or whether you draw automatically? From I mean, yeah. when you draw from... Uh, the, the way I would approach doing a drawing on paper seems different when I go to use because it doesn't feel so natural. You have to kind of work with the program, I guess. So I've never really been happy trying any, even using like a Wacom tablet or anything like that to try and replicate. I don't know. I like them, you know, using watercolors and ink bleeds and things, things that you just can't. Well, with minimum training, I guess you can't you can't replicate. Yeah. Well, that's a terrific. I mean, you're an embodiment of. Uh, of just that property about the of the value of drawing by hand that you know that I feel is so val valuable and, and important and I think and I think Vivian and I aren't really at odds at all uh, in terms of drawing in relation to architecture um, and she articulated quite a few very important aspects of digital technology and how it's being used to explore forms and and uh, and then and in terms of also in producing uh, production of draw uh, architectural 
um, services and, and uh, realizing drawings that make buildings. I think what, I, what, what is at the heart of the, maybe the discussion in architect from the architectural point is, is drawing, is designing on the computer versus designing with a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Not so much producing, I mean, producing now, you know, there, there was, there's drafting, what's called drafting, where people would draw with T-squares and, and triangles and they still learn how to do orthographic projections and other kinds of drawings that architects make through drafting and then they jump into computers and do it in, in computers. So there's that, that's always been sort of a productive production aspect of architecture and not so much, that's never a design mode, uh, drafting, whether it's CAD or, or, or hand drafting, but, uh, um, but, but I think where the nub is is in the design, in, in in where we can, if we design something, do we design it on the computer and use the computer as a tool, or do we use? And I think modeling is more appropriate to, uh, as a term than drawing on the computer, because it, because today that is three dimensional or even four dimensional, meaning animation or moving through a space. Um, um, so I think that's where the nub is, like, or at least a question to be posed is, if, does one design with more facility, uh, with a sketch? You know, from my own experience, and, and uh, I worked for Helmut Jan for nine years in, in uh, Chicago, who's a, an internationally known guy, um, and we had projects all over, including Bangkok International Airport. Um, but Helmut would always say, you know, he'd say, you got to make a dwelling. <laughs> we we uh, you know he has has a heavy German accent. He's a German guy, and um, he feel, you know felt strongly that you have to draw. We had an army of guys that did CAD and did did three D modeling and, and would do renderings. But the guys that would design the stuff, you know, Helmut being number one, uh, and those of us that helped him, we usually would sketch and draw by hand, and and then hand off things to others to send out. And I, I noticed that uh, Daniel Lipskin, the the designer of the World Trade Center uh, tower, among other buildings, but uh, he lamented in his uh, recent autobiography. I mean, he's kind of young to be writing one already. Uh, <laughs> but he wrote, and he lamented the fact that so few young up and coming architects can draw, and he bemoans that fact. Uh, so I think that's where in the controversy, if there and there is some in architecture resides. It's in that area of design and thinking, uh, because on a computer screen, and and again, I love it, and you can think sort of through it, but it's always removed. It's always you know, it's on the other side of that glass. Um, it, it, it's not as direct as just making a splotch on a piece of rag paper. Yeah. Um. I, I kind of remember this um, out of just what you're talking about, um, this out of context quote by Lulu Hockey, all people, which, uh, which is, um, yeah, space unlike language, uh, the, yeah, the structure of space unlike language keeps us sane. And uh, you're talking about drawing that uh, really is meant to make something happen. It has to happen, and you, you have to use language in your drawing and your using. And um, yeah, I, I was uh, wondering. Well, a lot of artists make make things strange in order to learn more about them, and that's sort of like not making it happen.
happen, I guess. Um, and I was, so, uh, um, yeah, and my question is, I guess, uh, um, we have to somehow keep drawing by being interested in what we're actually interested in. And I think the Mr. Ghost was obviously sort of picked up drawing because he's actually interested in it. And he does art, don't you? You are. Mm -hmm. So you don't sort of design buildings. Um, and there's a question in this somewhere. <laughs> and I'd like to throw it open to the panel members to talk about, I haven't been to the rest of this conference as I can't, I, I couldn't go to, to discuss that that, you know slight dichotomy that I've just sort of invented now <laughs> from that from that quote thought, thought about and it's important to me this, this, this question um, if anyone could talk to it any other. I'm not sure I understand yeah. the question oh, okay. yeah, well, it's um, well, yeah. you do you mean you mean the I mean so, in an art a drawing let's say made in the realm of art uh, isn't necessarily meant to realize or implement some outcome. Yeah, it's like you know, Warden said poetry is meant to make nothing happen, and I, I sort of I kind of misquote, uh, probably misread that to sort of go in the way of that's the sort of art side of my question and the request and the architecture side where your your drawings actually have to describe and make builders build the build what they're building a few, you know, mm -hmm. within centimeters of, of, of where they're doing it, within millimeters sometimes. Millimeters. millimeters. And um, I want, want you to somehow describe this process that how how are you different to us? Because we really believe what we're drawing. Some of us we don't, uh, you know, we don't. Uh, the walls have no meaning for us when we're doing drawing. We're, we're doing that, and we're not doing. We're not doing pocket inside the drawing. Well, I guess Vivian and I could both address that because we both are architects. Um, yeah, I mean, I th uh, look. I think it depends on what. Again, it depends on what type of architectural drawing you are talking about. Because some architectural drawings are just there to okay. convey ideas or to be a polemic. Um, uh, you know, so you can have polemic architecture drawings that don't really represent a building, but they do uh, talk about in the same way that an iconic collage or something like that might speak to um, a realm of ideas. And they're read. Um, um, so not no, not selling the building, but you might be talking about architectural. Um, you might be talking about uh, or trying to to represent um, an idea through, and because we, as architects, we, uh, you know, there's that old um, cliche, and we talk about it in postgraduate courses. How many words do you need to describe a plan? As an architect, you read the plan drawing, which might be just a very, not a, a schematic drawing, just a normal <coughs> drawing of a plan. You read it in very complex ways that you would need thousands of words to describe. You, in an instant, can not only pick out the information spatially of the building, what it's made of, its construction, but you can also read it against what you understand of architectural history. You can understand if it's challenging something, if it's challenging the conventions 
of the type, if it's a library, for example, you can read it against the libraries you know and quite instantly pick up what it is that it's doing that's challenging the type. You can look at uh, drawings of surface and, and pick out a whole range of information. So for me it goes to um, what types of draw, what, what reason the drawing's there for. But also remembering in architectural process, and I'm, I work in what's called process-based architectural design, which is a, a, a method of working, I guess, where we look to techniques and systems and processes external to architecture, so science, biological systems, um, maybe even occasionally art practice, and we set up processes to um, replicate those type of behaviours in architecture. Now, this doesn't... Um, and a, a bit of it's about delaying the hand. There's a big discussion in architecture, delaying the hand of the author to see... And I guess the processes are called generative processes, things like that. Now, you wouldn't sketch those processes, and they were very much designed, uh, or the people kind of working in this realm originally talked about delaying the hand of the author and delaying composition importantly. Because composition was tied to what we knew as architects. It was also tied to questions of taste, which architecture had a huge discussion on uh, at a particular period. So a lot of these processes were about delaying the hand of the architect by put, setting systems in motion and processes that could do that. And this is where the digital came into it in a very big, big way, because you could do that avoidance. You know, you could not intervene once you choreographed a process. I hope that made some sense. I might just stop talking. You know, you mentioned that polemical uh, drawing in architecture, and there, so that is another realm that more addresses what you, the art side of the question, I think, that you raised. And that's where there might be a proposal or a proposition made with a drawing. So a case, an example would be, uh, now Mies van der Rohe made a, a great drawing for... Uh, the Friedrichstrasse high-rise tower building, or, well, it wasn't so high-rise. In 1923, he made a drawing that uh, uh, that really was, like, in some ways, the first incarnation of modernism, um, and and that was a let's say a polemical or even visionary kind of drawing. Um, he started with a photographic collage, and he worked it over in about four or five iterations until in the end he simplified and pulled out everything and it became a charcoal drawing. It's about five feet tall and it's hanging in the Museum of Modern Art. And, and that, that, there's that building there, that Friedrichstrasse Tower, is like the prow of a new ship of modernism coming into amongst the, the, uh, the hundred-year-old buildings that it surrounded. So that, that's a kind of polemical, or example of a polemical architectural drawing analogous in some ways to artistic practice, although it still has the, the end of, you know, making a statement and, and bringing that to the world. And, uh, so, that, so that's yet another realm of drawing and architecture that, um, uh, you know, that, that, that we could talk about. The production drawing aspect, I think, is not as all, always as intriguing for, for everyone. Uh, I mean... Um, you know, their, their means to implement the size of the marble stone panels on a building and so forth. And you need all that to realize it. Um, um, There's a yeah. question from the... Yeah. Yeah. There's a question uh, relative to 
it's the uh, question of the accident, I guess, within within what we're talking about and how the accident plays a part or a role within the act of drawing. And in, in relation to computer drawings, we're talking about the hand being removed and given that sort of space to remove oneself from the drawing. But uh, I guess with, even within that, I sort of read that as being a removal, almost an orchestrated removal from from the act, as opposed to, and, and even so, given given that, they're all, uh, my assumption is that they're relative to a, a, a number of coordinates that are given within computer to then still attain a, you know, an object. Yes, the accident still needs to have a, a place within drawing, and, and I wonder how that sits within computerized drawing, and if in fact, you can actually simulate the accident within a drawing. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of there's been quite a bit of work, particularly using scripting, and, and I think now with sort of contemporary digital technologies, and there's a lot of discussion with scripting that that there's a lot of excitement by some people because it removes the visual out of architecture, so you can, you know, use Excel spreadsheets, which some people find extremely exciting. Um, um, and it, what it does is it establishes relationships, so rules for relationships. But I think yes, there is. They are choreographed, ex- choreographed accidents um, in in the computer. But I think you know again, there's a lot of oops. Where where did that go? Oh, that's interesting. You know, um, I, I meant to pick that point, but all of a sudden I've accidentally pressed a button that's extruded something all the way up there. You know, so I mean there is that role. But I think realistically, again, it's not either or. I think most architects I know that work with digital media print out a lot, sketch a lot, you know, build a bit of a model here, whack things together. So it's, I think, you know, it's kind of a bit more fluid than, oh, now I'm using the computer. Only. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I think what you're describing the computer as a kind of tool, as one of the tools that you use in Than, than starting off with a, with a 
with fatty uh, cattle. Um, so it's funny if you so uh, you'd like to say something about that idea of where, at what point, uh, what's the basis of architecture in terms of drawing, what's the role of hand drawing in the training of architects, and at what point is the tool of, of digital um, digital drawing, digital design coming into augment to augment that? Well, it, right now it's coming in pretty early, mm. and maybe too early uh, for my liking. Um, and it, it, there's tremendous value. And by the way, that, that term of scripting uh, for those who may not uh, be involved with that process, but what that has to do with writing uh, in effectively like a little computer program uh, and then running it through iterations and uh, in a program like Rhino or Maya might uh, then could spit out lots of iterations of uh, what happens if I change this parameter and I get these funky shapes. Uh, so, so that's what that has to do with it. It's sort of like a form generator. But um, the, the, about that understanding of space, I think it's very important that people do draw when you by hand to draw from you know what we were calling observational drawing to draw from observation. That in, instills in the mind, and I've seen this with countless students. It, those who can draw from observation truly draw. They really understand space because to draw it, you have to understand it. It's not just making, you know, it's not like a snapshot with a camera. You have to perceive it and understand it in order to depict it on a page. And that's what, that's, that's the part that, that's what hand drawing has that, uh, working on a screen never could have. Um, so, and I think that, uh, there should be a greater emphasis in, uh, in architectural schools of the ones I've seen around the U.S. and, and some in Europe, uh, that, there, there's been some, uh, it depends on the school, but there's been an increasing uh, jump to the computer right at the outset and to a point where there are remedial classes in drawing for architects. I mean, how ironic. They're designing space. That's what it's about. Um, and it's not really about, let's say, like a beautiful sketch that we fall in love with and, and can't let go of. Um, and look at the drawings that Mies did of, of some of his greatest projects. They're just a line or two, but he he knew what was behind that, and uh, you know it wasn't just looking at those lines. It it meant something beyond the the, the drawing. Mm -hmm. And the last row, the drawing you described uh, of that last tower, sort of these huge drawings. If, it, if you haven't seen them, you don't have an understanding of what what can possibly exist in that drawing. The way of thinking about a, a, a building and the, um, the the effect of the glass. Yeah. The, can I just say something at this point? I think that, in fact, the argument about... I mean, we're talking about what's going on with architects, but I don't think it's actually so far removed from what's been going on in art schools. Um, the removal in the 70s of observational drawing from the curriculum, I think, also denied, in fact, the very same kind of possibilities you're talking about in understanding that, in fact, the... The, the very function of observational drawing, everyone kind of used to groan about life drawing, but you actually had to understand how a form stood or sat in space, and you had to conceive the paper in, in spatial terms. I mean, we go on a lot now, everybody exalts in the term of mark making, but it, initially it has to be to some purpose. I've never got the idea of mark making. No, quite. But the, but the, but the, the process of, of delay, yes. which is which is absolutely imperative to the drawing that you're 
yes. talking about. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 a, it's, it's not about representation. It's not about good drawing. It's a way, it's about understanding and thinking. That's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, one sense can say, what's kind of meditative process of meditation on, on, a, yes. on a something. Well, you understand it, something yes. by giving yourself sufficient time mm-hmm. to actually observe it. Precisely. And, and you know, most things we don't observe in that kind of way. I mean, mm-hmm. very little in life that we actually spend time mm-hmm. looking at. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. it seems to be a critical training for observation itself. Yes. Not yes. simply this idea of making drawings or yeah. mark making, what that's that. Yeah. I mean, in, that, in that, itself, yeah. that, lo- that lovely yeah. quote of Valerie's, in a way, but yeah. that you see yeah. very differently with a pencil in the hand oh, yeah. to yeah, the way you see otherwise. And um, I, well, for those of you who don't know, I make drawings of trees obsessionally. <laughs> um, there's three of them in the outside. And for me, that they are very clearly bodies, and they're also architecture in a way. There, And one's range of response is, the, is from the utterly sensual to the, awe, the, you know, the awestruck monumentality of, of the design of nature and of its architecture, and, and it's also very visceral. But in fact, there's a, and I sometimes think of when I'm in the midst of drawing after that dreadful moment where you sit there in front of the paper and there's a kind of fatigue and tiredness that you think, I think I'd just like to give this up and go to sleep. But once the drawing starts, that thing that you're talking, I mean, to say it's meditative is in, is in fact a kind of glib term because that process of looking, the thing that John Berger beautifully describes about a drawing ends up being a period of encapsulated time, that it's, a, that it's the endless numbers of the glances that then inform the brain and the hand. But it's that, that process of understanding both what you are seeing in space and how you... What, do, you do you elect to, make a, to actually make a mark of this bit of the tree? Or is it another bit of the tree? And what do you do about the changing light? And then, how does it sit in the paper? I mean, the body of the paper is absolutely central. And perhaps there are differences here in arch- with architecture in that you are conceiving of space in a way, thinking of it in the real world rather than thinking of it in terms of its pictorial flatness. And so, but but I think in t- I've, I've kind of digressed here. But I think there are a lot of the same issues about what it is we learn by making of doing observational drawings that are central to artistic practice as to architectural practice. Yeah. Just a, a point about observational drawings. The assumption seems to be that they can only be done on paper. I'm, I'm speaking as a visual artist, someone who mm. always carries around a sketchbook and mm. is doing observational drawings all the time. And you may have had this discussion in another session, yes. so forgive me if you have. But um, I've actually been doing some observational sketches on the computer on a laptop with a graphics tablet and found it particularly good for nighttime sketches when it's hard to, to actually see but because the screen is illuminated you actually, it's, a, it's actually a bonus being on the computer and of course it is different than having your mark on the page but um, I suppose my question is has have other people like why are we assuming that the software and the hardware won't be at the point one day where we can be understanding space through our observational sketches and, and yet using the computer. Well, Does that, that make sense? I'm, <laughs> sure that seems, I, I'm, I'm sure that, that I, we're pretty much in the infancy of computer technology. I mean, relatively speaking, just imagine 50 more years or 100 years of it. 
um, and where that where that's going to go. Um, so you know what you're talking about merges more of that hand-eye uh, aspect with uh, well, implementing on, on another surface rather than a piece of paper. Um, so you know, so we'll see how things develop. There is an aspect of scalelessness to to the computer, though that that is disturbing. You know, the zooming in and out, uh, and I find that students that only try to design a project and or you know or even implement it on the computer inevitably come up with silly things like a brick is too big or small, or, uh, you know, because they don't even understand how how big the spaces that they're ostensibly designing or working with. Um, so, so there is something about a fixed scale, and that could be fixed too, uh, in uh, repair. Uh, I mean, in uh, in how we interface with the digital realm, you know, different kinds of screens, giant touch screens, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but there is something about the tactile aspect too of, of a hand drawing that just is not. Whether even if you have haptic sensors and a glove or something in your drawing, I just think it's not going to be the same thing as just picking up a pencil. Yeah, I, or I, I, I tend to agree. Yeah. yeah, there's a sense, sensual aspect to it that's quite pleasurable that keeps one doing the activity. That's how I feel about working in the digital world. <laughs> exactly yeah. what you said. Yeah, well, I I, ha- I feel that too in the digital realm at times, and you know, I think that's got to do with this flow process that uh, there's a guy, Mihaly, or there's a guy, Susan Mihaly, I don't remember his name, is a psychologist from the University of Chicago, wrote a book called Flow, that's its name. And I think that's what we're talking about. I think that really happens with hand drawing. Mr. David is fine. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you must experience that. What do you think about all this? Well, yeah, like... um I guess that's become part of your process, the way that um, you can incorporate that as well. And I wouldn't like to write off that as being part of sketching and all that kind of stuff. But I think it comes... A big part of that that I've thought about lately is um, almost taste. When I go to look at other people's art, I'm looking for drawings because I like... I, that's how I understand that language. So I like seeing how it was made and how other people use the same tools that I'm using. So it's almost a question of taste, I think. So sometimes when you look at say like um, Photoshop kind of digital work that you can tell is just done with a tablet and things like that. Sometimes I'm less, you know, just less inclined to to understand that, I think, because it, you know, it's almost a bit of cheating to get that, that perfect bleed on something or whatever it is, or, yeah, you can't see the, the erasing and things like that, but it, I think that's more just a taste thing. It, so. may, it just may be something far more fundamental than that. I think, I think we might have evolved... To a point where, in fact, we're leaving behind some quite deep-seated part of our brain, our sensibility, our way of interacting with the world. I guess it's, people I, often ask me, like, "Oh, mm-hmm. when did you start drawing?" Mm-hmm. And so the smart-ass answer you start to give is, "When did you stop?" Yeah. And it's, I think, part of that drawing thing. I'm, I just continue drawing since I was a child, child like yes. that. Mm-hmm. So it's strange when other people can't, can't remember. Like everybody draws, surely, growing up. So it's strange mm-hmm. to kind of back from that I don't I guess because it's pleasurable to me that's why I haven't well I think the adolescent intellect interposes doesn't it about what's right I can't help adding here that there's a sacrifice with um, detailed drawing if the artist is not going to Lose your eyesight when it comes to do, doing detailed pieces of drawings. 
No. So there's, there's also the way up of do I want to keep my eyes up for the real thing? Mm. That was not something I was aware of, but yes, interesting yeah. point. Yes. There's well, somebody. Can get to a point of, of um, giving this technology our souls? I mean, I mean, this is the thing about we use the computer as a tool to do what we want to do, but what's the point if we make computers so brilliantly that they're us? I mean, I think the eye and the hand and that sort of hand, everyone has a their own fingerprints. Why why do we want to lose our individuality by mass producing things that, you know, once the technique is done, anyone can copy it or do it. I was hoping maybe that our humanity might have developed to a stage where we want to just stand back a little bit and enjoy what it is to be human. But I'm sorry, it doesn't stick to discussion. I'll take it all back. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it's, it's, it's an interesting point, though. I mean, I can, I can't, I know nothing about art, and I never talk about it. But I think, from an architecture viewpoint, um, the the um, the computer working digitally has an interesting kind of implications for the role of authorship yeah. in architecture. Uh, unless you you do houses, um, it's an inherently very collaborative practice. Um, no one architect designs a building. Teams and teams of people are involved, and there has in the past there has you know we did. There is this sort of modernist myth of the god architect doing the evocative sketch which represents his hand and then that's handed down to the minions to realise and architecture doesn't work like that so I mean I think the digital has had huge implications for the number of people that can work on the one drawing, the teams of of people Um, and I find that incredibly democratic it doesn't mean the absence of um, authorship but no one author will ever kind of un- own or that idea for a single building. So, I mean, I know what you're saying. I'd be interested in that. Is that true of someone like Richard Gary? Frank Gary. Frank Gary, sorry. Yeah, it is. I mean, the, he, he is the master signature, but, you know, there's well, the, hundreds but the drawing and hundreds. surely comes from him and then... The team realizes it. Yeah, but architecture is not the drawing, and and the realization of architecture is a myriad of forces, Mm. technical, Mm. material, Mm. all of which are contributed to and and change over time. So Mm. while the essence of the sketch might be there in the final Mm. building, but the sketch is Of course, there are huge teams of people yes, that produce buildings and realize them, but 
but to, to do that you have to have a strong driving idea and, uh, and that might be uh, expressed in the form of a sketch right at the beginning. It probably is in a, in a really good project. There, yes, there are corporate architectural firms where there's anonymity somewhat, uh, you know, and, and it sort of shows in the kinds of works that are realized. Uh, hospitals, by, for instance. Well, yeah, and that's a very specialized kind of architecture, by the way. That's, you know, something like a hospital is not suitable for, a, you know, a dash off a great form. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of analysis and all kinds of surgical and mm. Uh, mm. all kinds of specialized knowledge there. But, um, um, but I still would contend that that the the best work is going to be uh, frequently produced by one person with a team of behind them, and maybe there are more than one person like that in a given organization. But uh, I'd like the comment yesterday uh, um, made about the Formula One uh, design that that they have teams of PhDs that realize the design, but it started with a sketch by the designer of that car. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a question. Someone's been waiting here. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of maybe to go back now because it's been a while back. But um, I wanted to um, maybe reiterate the point, Elizabeth, that you made earlier about um, when you were talking about how you might define a drawing, that certainly it um, has something to do with the line being a primary mm-hmm. um, tool. And I, I think once that got... Um, once that got standardized and digital, um, digitally, where a line has to be a continuous width, it doesn't it doesn't taper, it doesn't. It's always it's not inflected, mm-hmm. right? And so I think what's happening here with the difference to talk about, let's say, spatially, the implications of that is that um, I think when you're talking about space, back when lines were, you know, textures and tones and sort of general territories and light and whatever. That, that was sort of really a spatial use of the line versus in the digital, the line is necessarily the edge of an object or, um, yeah, so it's incredibly formal. So there's this funny paradox where the quality of space was very much about hand drawing, but to be able to inhabit the inside of the form is a different spatial experience in computer models. So, but, but because materials and all of this are sort of appliqued onto the form, that it's more about a, a quantitative space than a qualitative. That might plenty of people want to agree with that. But um, so, so I guess I would say, like, knowing what the biases are for hand drawing and digital, and knowing that each of them have um, a lot to offer, but also have their own biases and drawbacks. What, as educators, what do you feel like the role is? For you to sort of have that discussion broadly in your institution to acknowledge what the biases are versus um, versus I feel like sometimes in institutions there there's a tendency to have camps where somebody believes one thing and somebody believes another and the students form around those camps and then it, it just becomes incredibly binary I guess so I'm just wondering sort of what the role is for this discussion um, you know publicly with the students to express? Well, I think there is debate and discussion about, you know, this this, this issue constantly in, in our school, and I see it in other schools and probably here, perhaps, I don't know, not at all. It's where, a done deal. Right? We're, we're, right we're all over digital. It, yeah. and 
No, no, I mean, in, um, in the architecture program at RMIT, and I was, communica- I was design studio coordinator for about seven years and communication coordinator for about six years, about the same time. We um, teach um, hand drawing and drafting, um, perspective, orthographic drawing, collage um, in first year, first semester, first year. More so out of tradition and more so out of a sense that students should know the kind of history of, of drawing. Um, then in second semester, we teach um, digital modelling, um, AutoCAD and rendering. Um, we don't, we, in the studio system, we don't prescribe how students produce their final um, architecture panels, which basically means your, your building ideas and, and images of your building and some kind of polemic kind of images. Um, so very rarely is it prescribed that you will use this technique, uh, computer, digital. We might say you need five views of the building, some interior views, but we don't dictate. So it's really kind of a bit of a non, non-issue for us, and students use a variety of media. Um, they will do some stuff in the computer, they might sketch over it to change it by hand, they might use Illustrator, they might use Tone, they might laser cut that and make models. So, because fundamentally the thing is, the issue is that architecture is about ideas and it's about, um, it's about ideas and how you represent those ideas and how you represent the form forms, etc., that you're you're using, and you use any means appropriate to represent those ideas. So architect I mean I guess for in architecture and design or the School of Architecture, students are opportunistic. Now you'll find there are fads. So there's a huge reaction to very bad digital renderings. Um, and this manifests itself in students using a lot of textured paper printing on textured paper, using materials over their digital drawing. So it's not that they don't do them, but they won't, you know, they'll still do the digital drawing, but they will stop at a point or print out differently or make models. And there's a very, at the moment, there's quite a shift to an aesthetics of, um, a sort of craft aesthetic, I would say, where the reaction against the glossiness of, of a lot of poor presentation drawings. Um. I think we've actually <laughs> we've actually used up our time for our hour here. Um, and um, thank you very much for, for joining us. And I think one of the um, uh, very interesting um, comment came up is that um, we don't spend enough time observing. And I think that goes for us and um, for people who love art and for everyone generally. And please, if you haven't already done so, go through and look at constellations because it is just overwhelming to see how people love drawing, people draw, and people do observe, and that's just terrific. So can you please join me in thanking our panel? Thank you. I think, I think there's still a serious problem here about how we think. To say use all of those things doesn't actually address what it is we're doing when we're drawing, what that the that the thinking is worked out through drawing.
that it's act, that it's actually a process that is beneath some kind of conceptual level. I think or modelling. And yes, or modelling, <laughs> making, yes, making or, or drawing. But the, but the hand really clear, I think, doing collaboration. So when I other people all the time, and it took me, you know, long, like 20 years to discover that, um, oh, it's not natural to draw other people. So when I did shows at commercial galleries for the first time, you're drawing with other people on the same picture? That's wrong. It's kind of, it's very odd, but it seems really natural because when you start a thought and you draw half a character or set the scene for something and pass it to someone else, you're giving up all this half-finished thought and then they interpret it and finish it their bit and it's totally different than the pass it back. So it's just thinking... And sometimes, even the way you pass to someone, passed up the wrong way, they start yes. drawing them. And so it's just a real challenge of, of working things, just thinking out. Yes. And even like yes. trying to communicate something through that. Yeah. Like, what oh, do you see a plan, oh, let's build this yes. together. And yes. this is just the, the idea I've started on, and then they'll take it. I, that's the only way, because I'm you know, not great with words or written. That's a great way to think with other people, but even more abstract concepts of something you know, totally fantasy-based offer that up as a finished piece or half-finished piece to someone else, they're going to that's finish like that idea. Of course, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's whatever I teach children to even, like I did a lecture at Melbourne Uni last week, did the same exercise yeah. of that thing. Because it's, it's, even when I draw with people who draw all the time, yeah. everybody draws in a it's different way and it just challenges because you've got no commitment to saying, oh, this is me, this art thing of, oh, this is me and my thoughts. It's just totally removed from that. So it's just that basic skill of Instead of saying a sentence or being in a band or whatever you're doing, you share through drawing that way. And in fact, of course, if you look back to the Renaissance, drawing was a collaborative process. And in some instances, you get one artist making the central drawings, but very often they were added to. I mean, and drawings were considered kind of precious objects in a Renaissance studio. They were handed around, and other people would draw on them and, or make copies of them and then add to them. And yeah, yeah. so. It's, yeah, that, um, well, it's something like different. Okay, I can like, put it kind you know, of below the I've only lived in Melbourne for five years, so I've really only met artists since I've lived here. So it's started to, there's a bit of community here where you can tell these people there's the two or, two or three kids in each class who know how to draw and they do all the, the school posters and stuff yes, like that. Yeah. And you've always kind of got it in your, you know, that's just what you do. You're not kind of putting it out there, I'm an artist. No. Um, so when we were kind of all reunited as adults, and you know, drawing together, and it's like, you guys draw too, kind of thing. So, some people that's really new to, but some people have just always done it, I guess. Yeah. I, well, you know, what you mentioned about the art schools, I think that, I mean, that's, that's been idiotic to, to uh, put down observational drawing. And in the, uh, the, one of the classes that I teach at the, the Art Institute is. It's called perspective and rendering, and really the focus, it's not like making rendering so much, but it's drawing space. But the first couple of weeks, um, I, with those students, I always, I always um, set up uh, sessions with a figure model, and, and I, part of it is because I just want to see what kind of ability they have. And, it's, and, it's, and then second is to just give them that experience of drawing intensely and quickly from observation, uh, which is, kind of forces you to do that when you're in that situation with a figure model. And then from there we take that into space and go you know, and see spaces and draw them. Uh, but um, but I think it's really important to draw from observation. And I think when art schools, some art schools lost that, uh, that's just silly foolishness. And like a fad, really. I mean, some of these things are kind of fad. We fall in love with the technology, and I love digital so much. 
exciting. Um, this is a, this the best time for humanity to be alive. You know, we're lucky because we don't have the plague and we have all these tools. It's a question of how to use them and, and to realize, you know, to, to, to get the best from them. Um, you know, at one time they said that with uh, synthesizers that, that uh, we weren't going to need the orchestra anymore and that we wouldn't need the violin. Yeah. Well, how could you not use the violin? I mean, exactly. there's such, you know, and as good as synthesizers are, and Kurzweil and other, you know, they, they're amazing and they can do beautiful subtle things, but it's not the same as somebody with a bow and a technique uh, in terms of realizing a variety and a richness. Yeah, so, so, you know, we kind of can fall in love with that technology for a while, and then we realize that, gee, it doesn't do everything we want. It, it can do some things that we can really use well, but it doesn't necessarily replace this other tool. So, well, I think we evolved with a lot of these things, and they are really, in a way, part of our kind of deep understanding of like having grammar and things. I mean, they're, 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 they're actually wired, hardwired into us. Yeah. I mean, and that's like responding to music or making lines. Or, yeah, like the voice. Just, just, yeah. Exactly, sort of, yeah. You know, or to dance. Yes. Yeah, or to dance. Mm. Yeah. Or to write. I would have to say a lot or of things you were saying as a yes. writer. I was yes. thinking... Yes. That's exactly. what I was thinking. You I know, think my students find writing... And you know, more valuable than drawing. So I think, yes. I think because you're talking about how you observe and you understand something through your, your mind, it would be the same for me to oh, write yes. about how I feel about something rather than front of or an event. Children are going to draw before that. Yes, they are. It's a primary activity. Okay. Thank you. Let's have a That's all right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah.